Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Yes, I am back. Uh, I thought I would be back a little sooner this week and have an extra bonus episode, but, you know, we'll just go with a regular time this week. But I do have some kind of a special episode as we kick off Season 11 here at the Fandom Nexus, which is, you know, really cool kind of thing. And I have a very special episode for you. I'm not going to have any news or trailers or anything like that. No, no real reviews. I mean, I got kind of a movie review, but it's going to be kind of fun and special. Emma is returning and going to share her thoughts from the from uh, the perspective of uh, Generation Z, which I guess she would be a part of uh, being a, a high school student. I think that's Generation Z. I don't know. I guess that. I guess so. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't I can't keep track of generations anymore. Uh, but so her perspective of, you know, somebody who was born after the Lord of the Rings films came out, uh, going through and watching uh, at least two of the films and sharing a bit of perspective. And of course, I, you know, share some history and some things that uh, of my knowledge and uh, have a really good, fun conversation about the Lord of the Rings and some of the lore in there. Um, and while we're talking Lord of the Rings, uh, that does remind me. Coming up very soon in Kansas City is Planet Comic Con. It'll be in March, I believe March the 8th. Uh, I uh, should have put that down on my calendar. Uh, I am working on potentially four panels. Uh, two new ones. I mean, for those of you that have attended previously, we've done one, of course, with uh, with the guests from Marceline. And uh, I haven't gotten that one locked down. I don't know if we're doing that one this year. But uh, Dan Veets is coming from Thank You Walt Disney uh, to plan to do a, a panel. Uh, now, my applications have not yet been approved uh, to know that we're confirmed on any of these, but uh, this is the current plan. Um, but I have Dan Veets. He wants to definitely come up and uh, talk about some of the things going on with, uh, you know, Kansas City's influence on Walt Disney. And, you know, I'll, I'll ask about what uh, with all these grants uh, that they've been getting this past year of uh, what, the, you know, the future plans and how that's being used. Uh, we talk about that a little bit. Uh, also. Uh, I'm looking to do a Finding God in the Lord of the Rings and Finding God in Narnia, two different panels. I'm, I'm working with uh, the Pop Culture Pastors podcast to present those. So hopefully those are going to get approved and we'll have an exciting time. We'll kind of dive into some of the themes going on in these great books and, and films. So we do have plans. If you're planning to go to Planet Comic Con, make sure you come and check out and, and hang out with us. It'll be great fun. Another way you can come and hang out with, well, at least with me and uh, and our friends over at Diz Radio is Diz Radio is back. The first episode has just launched again, uh, I guess Friday, I think is when he's got it out there. But Jonathan Johnson is back. It's a celebrity interview style show. He's got, uh, oh my goodness, Larry Bagby 
for his first guest. Uh, he's uh, going to talk to Ed Bigley Jr. for his second guest. And me and the rest of the D team, uh, we we kind of do like magazine segments and everything. And I've already recorded a segment in for this show. Uh, I got to come up with a segment for this you know, coming up show. Uh, I've got a theme going on and I'm going to talk about different uh, Christmassy themed films uh, over the, the few uh the next month, at least for on Diz Radio. So go and check that out. Listen to that Diz Radio as that show is back. And hopefully a few people are coming over here because they heard on Diz Radio and they want to see what we're doing over here in the Fandom Nexus. So if you're new here, then hey, welcome. But now without further ado, uh, let's get on with my conversation with Emma about The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. All right, so Emma is back. I am. Having... Gone through now the assignment of watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, it took me a minute. I kept forgetting. <laughs> that and, you know, you had schoolwork things. Yeah. You know, that kind of happens. I understand that. I've been through school. Now I just work and it's it's hard to even find time to do this. But I want to set this up for you how much of an event this was when this came out. Because this was before you were born. Holy cow. Yeah. Because I'm old now. <laughs> Which I didn't think of myself as old. But yeah, this is. This is now over 20 years ago that these films came out. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fun part about this, if you go and um, look at some of the history, like J.R. Tolkien writing these books, which is funny because, of course, he wrote The Hobbit. This is actually the sequel to The Hobbit. Yeah, that's what I thought because I kept seeing The Hobbit and I was like... Mm. Yeah. Now, I don't recommend Peter Jackson's version of The Hobbit. Uh, the problem with that one is it's a shorter book than each of these books. Mm -hmm. It's a children's book. And you could have maybe done one three-hour movie and probably gotten every bit of that book in it. But uh, I did find out part of the reasoning why they stretched it into three three-hour movies is MGM was really, you know, they were facing a potential bankruptcy. So they needed something that's going to be this hit and they wanted to milk that cow as much as possible. <laughs> and whenever you make a movie trying to milk the cow and get it just for money, that's yeah. when you end up making terrible movies because you're just trying to milk the franchise. Mm -hmm. You got to be making something good. But these books being uh, the... The sequels with The Hobbit, see the original in The Hobbit, the first first writing of it, mm -hmm. Gollum just had a magic ring. And the prize for Riddles of the Dark, for this riddle game that they have, which you're all familiarized with a little bit, uh, but basically there's a real game that him and Bilbo have, and he's going to give him this magic ring as a prize, not knowing that Bilbo's already found the ring that where he'd lost it. So Gollum had had it when uh, when it came on later editions, when, you know, the publisher was like, hey, the Hobbit's selling really well. Do you have more? That's when Tolkien got you know, like, well, you know, I've actually got all these ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tolkien actually was a professor of languages. He came up with like the languages you hear in the, the films. He had written these languages out. He has so many oh. notes and so much writings that didn't really get published at the time, just trying to develop, you know, for the Lord of the Rings. Now, what would frustrate him is he'd go and weekly meet with his best friend, C.S. Lewis. You're familiar with him. Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian apologists ever, which is another fun story. Tolkien being a devout Catholic, when he first met C.S. Lewis and became friends with him, C.S. Lewis was a devout atheist. And I would love to have gotten in some of those conversations where they've been had, where eventually C.S. Lewis came to Christ and then became an apologist. Because he, of course, knew how to make all the arguments for Christ, having been on the other side of things. So yeah. he wrote a lot of different stuff. And really, the Narnia books are almost parables. Uh, he's trying to introduce kids to Jesus in a different way. Uh, and I, I've even heard uh, there's a really great uh, radio theater version of it where uh, Douglas Gresham, who was like the stepson of C.S. Lewis, 
said that he had gotten one time a letter from a child that said, like, I'm afraid I'm starting to love Aslan more than Jesus. Mm. And C.S. Lewis, in his reply, it said, like, well, everything you love about Aslan are attributes you'll find in Jesus. Mm. So just remember That's that cute. everything you're seeing is Jesus. So it's uh, what well, it was fun about this. C.S. Lewis wrote, I mean, he was like a writing machine. He could pump books out and he was showing what he was working on to Tolkien when they'd meet. And Tolkien, because it was taking him such a long time, putting like an entire mythology and a history together, yeah. would get frustrated that C.S. Lewis was like, look what I've written, J.R., you know, and show him all this stuff. And Tolkien is just sitting there like, and you've got another three books already published. And don't worry, this Lord of the Rings, it's coming, you know. Yeah. So he, but he developed an entire mythology, and what's been interesting is his son Christopher took to finding all the poems that Tolkien had wrote and all this other stuff, and has been publishing those. And that's why we have books like the Cimmerillion, which is like the entire history of Middle Earth, and yeah. uh, he's collected the different poems and different little short stories and all this stuff. And so we still get new published works. So it took a lot of effort putting in there, and when these books came out, it, it, it hit such a level of popularity. That people were actually in subways writing Frodo lives and, and uh, oh, what's the word graffiti mm. uh, on the wall. It, it really kind of took off. But no one thought that they could ever make a film of this. And there's been yeah. attempts. There's an animated one that's it's not bad. It's a little slow. Uh, they did. But they didn't quite capture enough. They tried to get to like uh, through the two towers uh, uh, with one movie up through yeah. Fellowship and the Ring of the Two Towers. Excuse me. And then, of course, Rankin Bass. Actually had a lot more success doing a television version of The Hobbit, which I do mm -hmm. recommend watching that one. It's a very abridged, mm -hmm. but it's fun. Also, Gollum looks like a frog. But Rankin Bass, yeah, Rankin Bass is the ones that do like you know the Rudolph, the Frosty the Snowman. They're famous for those, and you know, really great animators. Also worked a lot of animators from Japan, which is why you see some of their '80s work, like uh, the Thundercats. Actually, they were working with uh, some animators from Japan, which I actually found out this week. I've been listening to a podcast that covered The Hobbit of all things. Uh, oh. That uh, I'm sure you might be familiar with. Oh, the Studio Ghibli guy, Heather. Um, I'm Miyazaki. Yeah, Miyazaki actually worked with Rankin Bass on stuff like Thundercats and animation back in the day. And now, of course, he's gone off and he's very well known. And you've probably seen this. You like anime stuff. I think, I Studio Ghibli? Stuff? Yes. Yeah, I've yeah. watched some of their things. I know she's all big into it. And we've got a new one actually coming, which the trailer will have been in the show already. So, <laughs> so it's been attempted to do. So now when we get around these movies to start happening, when Peter Jackson's going over this idea, New Line Cinema, I mean, they'd had some hits, but they're still kind of a smaller company at the time. I mean, they'd had, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street series kind of took off for them. They managed to make some Turtle movies, which started out good. And then slowly, by the time you get to the third one, it's like, what in the world did you guys do? Yeah. Uh, so they weren't, they had some money, but they weren't big. So this was, they, they could have bankrupted themselves. It had this not worked because this was making three movies uh, I think it took them over a year. I should have looked this up again uh, to mm -hmm. film them all in New Zealand. So when these were coming out, they had to make sure they were just the top. And yeah. you had mostly some somewhat known. I mean, Sean Astin, I think most of us knew him uh, with, yes. the, with the Goonies. Yes, I, uh, also, I also wrote down he's he's also Sean. Sean, yeah. He's also the guy from Bob. He's he's the yeah. he's, Bob he's Bob from Stranger, Stranger Things, Things. And I loved him. Yeah, and that's why Heather has not watched anywhere past season two. So he auto automatically he was my favorite character. <laughs> well, there's a lot of the reasons he was for his favorite character, and we're gonna I definitely get into him. that. But so you have him, of course, uh I forgot the actor's name that I play in Elrond, but he was known for the Matrix films. But 
you know, he wasn't well known. So we've got a lot of un- unknown actors, except for John Ray Davis. But John Ray Davis has never been a starring character. He's mostly recognized, you know, from the Indiana Jones films um, for playing uh, Sala in at least two of those. So it's really was a huge risk. Liv Tyler was a little bit untested. She'd done a few indie films, uh, but you've really got a cast of a lot of unknowns, Elijah at least in the Wood States. The what? Elijah Wood would have been known. Uh, Elijah Wood was not as famous, though. And so I guess he would be. Elijah Wood was mildly known, like we mentioned last time. Mm-hmm. He pops in Back to the Future too, as just a little bit in a kid, uh, you know, a little kid in that, like uh, on the arcade games. Yeah. He'd had one other movie actually with Mel Gibson called Forever Young that kind of disappeared. I, I don't think it gets enough credit for as good as I think it was. But he was in there with, I mean, he's in a movie with Mel Gibson. I mean, come on. But he's still a little kid. So this is him actually kind of growing up. And I think he was probably about 18 when they started shooting Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So this was a huge risk, but it was also this big event. And that's why I brought out here to show you how much of an event this was in 2000. Uh, yeah, I guess this, the first one was oh. 2001. So Burger King had these glasses. And of course, I had to collect them all. You know, if I, if I flip the switch and this light comes on, I'm going to flip. It'll be awesome. No, of course not. I don't even know what kind of batteries they were. But yeah, they actually have little lights down in here. And I think I actually did. I, if I clean them. Yeah, they were neat glasses. Uh, and I think I did use them like the first year, but I used to just put I put them out with my Christmas lights before we got married. Uh, oh. So, yeah, they had all these really cool like glasses and it was just an event. The soundtrack uh, came in. Of course, you could get it as a normal CD case, but I got it like a hardcover looking case mm. uh, with, with like booklet stuff. So you could get like special versions of the soundtrack. Uh, it was front page news of the Kansas City Star with on the day it was released, uh, the first film. I remember actually listening to the soundtrack while I was sitting, uh, again, working at Kansas City Life Insurance around Midtown, if you ever see that building with has the lions on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've probably seen it. They light up pretty good for Christmas, too. Uh, but I was working there at the time, and I was listening mm-hmm. to the soundtrack, and I had, like, on my screensavers were all that. I mean, it was, for not just for me being a big event, it was a lot of people. In fact, when we went to the first film, people were actually were already cosplayed. Hat, you know, came oh. in dressed full as hobbits, screen accurate. It's like, all we've gotten to see is trailers, you know, and a few photos maybe online. But they, it was impressive. So, I mean, this was a huge deal, enough to where, like, Star Wars is the only other movies besides Lord of the Rings that we definitely yeah. had to buy our tickets beforehand to make sure we had a seat. Yeah. So, basically, if you wanted to try to make sure you got a good seat, you better show up early because you didn't have the reservation system. And I think most of the time we did get a good seat. Uh yeah, Return of the King, we were pretty far back, but that was all right. I think Two Towers, we were a little close to the screen. We we were never... Uh, if you're going to talk, you're going to have to be in here. Yeah. If you're going to participate in the conversation. No, we're, it's fine. Okay, yeah. That you were asking me a question. Nope. Well, it's kind of somewhat. But yeah, I think Two Towers, so we were up close, and we had to watch that one a little later. That was, I was working out in Kansas at the time, and she had to meet me at actually a theater in Kansas to go watch Two Towers. So, I mean, these were huge event movies. Yeah. And the funny thing is they were nominated for Best Picture each time, but they didn't want to give it to them until, I think, Return I think they were doing it because they knew it would be Best Picture for three years. But I, they waited until Return of the King and give that one Best Picture because, I, like I said, they'd have been doing Fellowship, Best Picture, Two Towers, Best Picture, you know, because they were just done that well, mainly because Peter Jackson stuck mostly to the source material. Yeah. Now, there's some differences, and we'll get into that now. So, Fellowship of the Ring. First thoughts. <sighs> Well, I thought, well, one, I really liked it. The first movie was really good. And it kind of just like, it, it set the tone for the, the next two that I was going to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Although they do get progressively darker. Yeah. As, as the power of Mordor grows. Yeah. 
So the beginning, I that might it just might be because I'm 17 and I hate long, long beginnings. <laughs> but the beginning, like the narrating was so long. I just sat there and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. When do I get to see Frodo? Where's he at? <laughs> I love him though. Um, and then I Gandalf the Grey went to Gandalf the White in the second movie, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. But I I did like it. I thought it was very good. The characters are beautiful. Um, <laughs> yes, that was kind of a thing. Like Legolas became an instant heartthrob. Yeah, I, his first um, movie. <laughs> I literally have in here Legolas with an with a heart. <laughs> See, this is before Pirates of the Caribbean. Where Orlando was, you know. Bloom. Mm-hmm. Katy Perry. You were lucky. Oh, oh, is that? Okay, I didn't know they were a thing. Yeah, my mom said they were getting a divorce, but I don't think they are. I haven't heard anything about it. I don't know. I don't usually pay attention to that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, Orlando Bloom became kind of a household heartthrob. So much where, uh, to our annoyance at Return of the King, when he makes his... Oh, well, see, you didn't finish the Return of the King, though. But they, I started it. But he, when he makes his final entrance and he's, everybody's all cleaned up after the adventures are over and he enters the room in slow motion, there's, Whoa! it's like, oh, there's some girl that's just losing her crap every time he'd walk on screen. screen. It's like, stop, <laughs> we're trying to watch the movie. That was me. 100%. <laughs> sure. It was you before you were born. Yeah. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> Holler from the ether. Yes. But yeah. He became a household name because he was, he was a good looking guy. I don't think he's aged as well. So when I've seen like some, some stuff where he came back to film The Hobbit, I was watching yeah. some stuff that was kind of funny. All right, the cat is uh, doing crazy stuff up there. It's part of the My thumps. cat does that. So, and one of the, well, I guess it wasn't until Two Towers that you had a few kind of funny song memes, but we'll get into those with Two Towers. So, yeah. um, now with Fellowship, there is some stuff left out and changed. There's a character named Tom Bombadil that's a really fun little bit, and it does help set up stuff in the Two Towers for the Ents later, because Tom Bombadil is sort of a shepherd of the forest himself. Mm. But he, you, he's very mysterious. You don't know where it's really going on. Uh, some of the folklore that Tolkien came up with, I mean, you know, devout Catholic, he's going to use the Bible as reference. Mm-hmm. So to help kind of flesh out some of the stuff that kind of makes this make sense, mm-hmm. you have a Luvatar, who's basically God. Yes. And then, of course, you probably heard the name Morgoth mentioned during Fellowship of the Ring, but you might not have I might have. I might have forgotten, though. When uh, when someone points out it's a Balrog of Morgoth. Oh, so the Balrog, yes. which I'm sure you know what that one was, right? You caught that? I did catch it. The big fiery demon thing. Yeah. So Morgoth actually had a different name, but he was basically he's basically Satan. Oh. And Middle Earth, because what Tolkien was writing was in mythology, Middle Earth was supposed to be Earth, us. What it's in the middle of is heaven and hell. So he was using some of his Catholicism in there, although he wasn't trying to make a parable like C.S. Lewis was. But uh, the interesting thing is you get in there and you have different levels of basically like versions of angels. Mm -hmm. When evil was unleashed on the world, because Morgoth, of course, was doing his thing, Iluvatar decided, well, I need some human-style angels. And that's where the wizards came from. Now, some of them went bad. Sauron was one of them. hated him. And that's, of course, why there at the beginning of the film when... Gandalf is offered the ring. He's whoa, no, don't tempt me because he know he would become another Sauron. He's just as powerful, but now he'd have the added might of all of Sauron's will of nastiness. Yeah. Uh, one of the things in Tolkien's world that everything that is made, a little something of the maker gets into it, like elven swords get a little bit of their kind of just elven magic in there, uh, and the rings, of course, you know, you have all these rings of power that were made with all the di- these different things, and of course, when Sauron makes his, 
Mm-hmm. He put all the force, as I said, his his malice and his will to destroy all life was put into that ring. But it also has all of his power, which Tolkien never really explains why it makes you turn invisible when you put it on. Yeah, I was like, you know, it kind of reminded me. I kept writing down that, like, it reminds me, like, it slightly reminds me of Harry Potter. But that's just because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. Well, Harry Potter came much later and borrowed, yeah. Harry Potter borrows a lot from, yeah. uh, well, a little bit from Star Wars, but Star Wars borrowed a lot of the same uh, stuff from, if you've ever heard of the Hero's Journey and uh, uh, and Joseph A. Campbell, uh, his writings. That'd be something you might find interesting, but he's yeah. uh, he went to the psychology of some of the basic characters you find in a Hero's Journey, like the orphan hero, the mentor who usually dies. And you find that mm-hmm. in most great myths and stories, and Star Wars leans heavily on it, and of course Harry Potter does too. Harry Potter also, I think, stole the the scruffy sidekick ter- type character is going to be the one with the princess know-it-all. When I first saw the, the saw the Sorcerer's yeah. Stone, I was sitting there comparing everything I noticed from Star Wars that I I was like, eh. It wasn't until I actually listened to an audiobook of the third book I was like, okay, no, the books actually got some good stuff that I went back and was like, let me watch these again. Yeah. Also seen a Cerebus suddenly turn into this guardian thing. Like, Cerebus is the guardian of Hades and mythology. And she turned it into this, you know, sitting on the thing for the. Yeah, I wrote that for like the the relationship between Frodo and Gandalf kind of reminded me of Harry and, yep. and, and Dumbledore. Dumbledore. And He's then that I, mentor. Yeah. And what happens to Gandalf? He, well, dies. dies. I'm putting in quote I was finger, really sad Leaving about him that. on his own. And he will never see Gandalf again until the end. So to him, he has lost his mentor because, yeah. you know, when you get more backstory, I'm building for you. So because <laughs> they you know, they talk a lot about, you know, the adventure with Bilbo and that's the Hobbit and all this different stuff. Loves Gandalf has been popping in, you know, popping him and, you know, and we used to be well thought of until you showed up and never did anything unexpected or had any adventures because mm-hmm. that's the Hobbit thing. You don't do nothing. So Gandalf has been around in Frodo's life quite a bit. So, yes, he's been the mentor. So you do have that bit where he's lost his mentor and he's now, and also he is already an orphan. You don't hear about what happened to his parents, yeah. but he's actually, Bilbo's actually his cousin, although he calls him uncle. Yeah. So, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. There's a lot of things that, you know, going through the Hobbit that they, they kind of expected us to know that we might've read the Hobbit, but for those who didn't know or are more familiar with the material, that's why you get that big opening narration. They really have to explain a lot of background, even the stuff that's not even mentioned in the Hobbit, but just to kind of help set you up to know what's going on. Uh, the yeah. book actually takes a lot longer to even get anywhere. And in fact, there's years between when Bilbo leaves and Gandalf finally comes back with after finishing his research and say, Frodo, that's the one ring. We got to get rid of it. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's, there's time. So and Frodo's like, what to do to do? So the, for the films, there's a sense of urgency. Now, did you notice though, the, is it more, I don't know, which would stressful. I mean, like that first half of the movie when they're being pursued mainly by the uh, the ring wraiths, there's like a different uh, feel. Yes, that that whole part. I remember like watching it. I was like, I was really intently watching it because I was like, hmm. and then when they're in the room and it looks like they're going to kill them and then they're in the other room, I was like, oh, interesting. I like the way <laughs> they filmed it. It was really cool. Yeah, they really led to the illusion. I don't remember the name of the guy that they were with. It ends up being with uh, Arwen or whatever the name well, is. He was known as Strider at the time. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is, okay, we later, we knew that's Aragorn, but even here on these goblets, he was just labeled in the first movie. They were calling him Strider. Mm. That is yet another change from the books. When you get to Rivendell in the books, 
Aragorn actually has half of Isildur's sword. He's got the broken parts. Mm. And he's like, it's time for me to take the throne. Mm. He's ready for it. I didn't know. It made it interesting when you got to stretch it out for a little bit to have a maybe a bit more conflicted Aragorn, who's like, yeah, I'm a Sealdor's heir. He was corrupted by the ring. What if I, you know, I might fail just as much. Yeah, that's why whenever the other the other elf that they met um, told Elrond, Frodo that. Think? Yes, I think that was her name. Oh, oh no, um, another female. Oh, you mean, are you thinking of Galadriel, the blonde headed one? I think I can't. The names remember are rough, names. I guess. <laughs> They're all like really interesting names, so it's really hard to remember. <laughs> I think I actually wrote that down that the names were hard to remember. But yeah, when she warned him and said that one of the people in his group were gonna yep. try and take the ring from yep. him, I was like, "Is it gonna be? It's gonna be him." But it ended up being um, the guy, the other guy, Boromir. Yes, him. <laughs> Which. I think this is about the time in films that people started to notice that Sean Bean never seems to survive a movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is when we notice, like, why does he never get to live? We like him. His death was really, like, sentimental, though. It was really yes. good. I liked how they filmed that, too. Yeah, it was really well done, and it's really well thought out by Tolkien to have that, because it's there's a lot of themes in the overall, and that's that's your redemption theme, where... You know, because you, you can see throughout the film, Boromir, Boromir really likes those hobbits. He's mm -hmm. delighted with them. He's teaching them to fight. He laughs when they tackle him. And he's concerned about them on the mountain. It's like, this will be the death of the hobbits. He loves them. Mm -hmm. And he really is a good guy. But this shows the, the, the corruption that evil has, where it slowly pulls him. But the regret, and even after Frodo runs from him, he's, he, you can hear him yelling, Frodo, I'm sorry. But he gets his redemption moment by taking that many arrows, defending the other two. And I love to see yeah. the, the pile of bodies when they finally, when he's finally fallen and the one's going to finish him off with the bow. You get that nice distant shot and you see the pile of bodies he's built up. How many orcs he killed while wounded. It's a great yeah. way. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely never really had an opinion about him up until the end. I was just like, mm, he's a character. And then when he had his <laughs> redemption thing, I was like, Man, no, I wish he wasn't dead. Yeah. It's unfortunate. They still ended up taking the two boys anyway. Yeah. I also liked them a lot. Sam, Sam and Sam. Sam and Sam. Sam and Sam and then the other two that I got on. Mary and Pippin. Yes. Peregrine and Marriadoc, but they go by Mary and Pippin, which is thankfully a lot easier. Yes. I adored them, especially um, when they were with the Ent, which is the big tree, right? Yes. Yes, tree beard. The Ent. Yes, I loved that. I thought that was so cute because originally whenever he said that he was taking them to whoever and then it ended up being Gandalf, I was like... <laughs> they were going to go see Saruman. Yes. yes. Now, that's the other... Well, okay, this is probably the most well-known... Well, other than me, Ian McKellen, because he'd been playing Magneto in the X-Men films, uh, but Christopher Lee... Uh, who played Saruman, was very well known back in, uh, I, I think, at least the 70s, maybe the 60s. He had played Dracula in the Hammer films, and Hammer Studios made a lot of horror movies. He played the Dracula. Yes. He's good at playing villains. Uh, uh -huh. and, he, and he had such a great voice. The funny thing is, if you look up him, actually, he was singing with some sort of, like, metal band because he had that great, deep voice. And he said, even as an old guy, he was doing all this cool stuff. That's super cool. Yeah, he was really cool and did a lot of great stuff. Uh, even had a great role in Gremlins, too. Mm, Gremlins. <laughs> did you see the first one, at least? Of Gremlins? Nope. I've never seen Gremlins. I've tried not to watch it because I don't like the way they look. They scare me. 
a little bit. They're not scary the whole time. That might because that, in my opinion, Gremlins. The first one is a Christmas movie. Uh, that might be on your list now, because of course you're not a little kid anymore. But I was a little kid. We didn't know that it was going to have some parts at the beginning that were scary, but then it turns ridiculously funny. It's actually a very funny movie. It just got it's it's what I call probably one of the first horror comedies, at least that I'd ever saw, where it's got some scary elements, but it's actually pretty funny. Yeah. But you have that this turning point because it starts out cute. Horror, comedy, a little bit of horror at the end. Mm. But it's mainly a comedy. You probably would like it. You just, well, we might put that on a list for something for you. But anyways. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Christopher Lee, he's in the second one as this uh, scientist and everything. And he has this great line. It's like, there are some things men are not meant to splice. Because he's doing this weird. They're making fun of a lot of stuff in the second one. Even making fun of themselves. And he's like supposed mm. to be genetically splicing stuff. But That's uh, funny. So Christopher Lee's got a lot of great appearances. And he had such a great voice. Uh, so the nice thing is in the movie, you get to see Gandalf going to the, the tower to see Saruman. Mm-hmm. In the books, you don't know what's happened. Why is Gandalf not here? He was going to meet us. So it adds that little bit of tension that they don't know. And Gandalf mm-hmm. tells them when they get to Rivendell. But Peter Jackson did us a favor and let us see things happening and showed us instead of weighing it down with, OK, now we're going to talk about what just happened and then get the story later. He goes ahead and lets you experience the story. So that was actually a kind of a benefit, but I still recommend reading the books because they're amazing. Yeah. There's a lot of songs and poems and stuff that, that are just really cool. And they tell backstories. Uh, there's even a bit of the extended uh, where at one point they were Strider at the time. He's kind of keeping watch one thing and he's singing this song in Elvish. And Frodo knows a little bit of Elvish at this point. So he knew he's like, so this woman of who you speak, who was she? And uh, he, he says, well, it's the Lay of Luthien. It's a whole story of Baron and Luthien, which was a mortal man and an elfish woman mm-hmm. that fell in love. Uh, and it says, well, how does it end? She died. Because the elves are immortal and are not supposed to die. But they, of course, they can be killed. Uh, but you know, like the elves were like the perfected beings that Luatar wanted to make. Um, which is some of the interesting stuff is that gets into the history of, uh, you might have noticed in the Two Towers, uh, that, um, wow, my brain just went. What's her name, Heather? Who? Um, you know the blonde. Um, Galadriel. No, and and the two towers, because she she recognizes Aragorn as being the Dunedain, one of the Dunedain Rangers. And now, Galadriel's the, the only blonde one that I. Can no, remember. and okay, and I don't know why her name just escapes me. All of the Aragorn. names are oh, so complicated. Um, oh, the human. Um, yes, we're talking humans here. Because uh, I'm trying to explain Dunedain Rangers, but the, like the Dunedain. The reason, you know, they became rangers after, like, the, the kind of the fall of Gondor. Gondor, of course, being under a steward. The line of kings was half-elven. So they were blessed with the long life mm-hmm. of the elves. Now, Elrond himself, however, also is half-elf, as so is Arwen. But you apparently you get the choice to be immortal as an elf or to live a mortal life, which is why it's very significant that Arwen chooses a mortal life. She's going to outlive Aragorn. Eowyn. Eowyn, yes. Eowyn's the one who, you know, yeah. We'll get to her in a bit. But Mm -hmm. so Arwen actually making that choose is is interesting because they're they're really restarting the the line of Gondor with the long life and the longevity that the kings are supposed to have in Gondor. Mm -hmm. So it's very kind of important that you know that Aragorn is part part elf. It's still in his bloodline somewhere. Yeah. So that's what the Dunedain range. So there's a lot of complicated stuff going on. And so him talking, of course, about in the extended and in the book, uh, the Lay of Luthien is she's an elf that died. 
And that's, and it's in his mind, Arwen will die now because of me. Mm-hmm. So it adds, adds some weight to everything. So if you get a chance to watch the extended, definitely. It's it's so good. Yeah, I'll definitely try and find some time yeah. to do that. And the, the the fun thing, though, is also I it makes, I like Arwen being more of a character in the movies. In the books, she's mentioned, but you won't see her until the end. Mm-hmm. It is not her that comes along in the books to bring Frodo because... Uh, being through World War One, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis both, they really had issues with, you know, putting women in the battle line was just, a, you know, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to have them involved in this sort of thing until, of course, Eowyn does get her moment, which I don't want to spoil for you because you may not have gotten there. There's a, there's a whole big thing that's kind of fun. Uh, so Eowyn does get movie? her moment. In the third movie, yes. Yeah, I started, I'm probably like five, ten minutes into it. Oh, wow. So there's so much Return of the King. Wow, that you don't yeah. know. Yeah. I think at that point I had already binge watched the first two. Oh, and so, and so I needed to like, take a break. Yeah, I needed to take a break. Yeah, Heather has actually wanted there is an official uh, Hobbit Day. Uh, this really? Is September 26th, is it? There's a Tolkien week. There's yeah, the whole well, week that leads up to Hobbit Day. It's in the, it's one of the last weeks in September. Yeah. It's about the time that they leave uh, the, the Shire. And so she's thought it would be fun one day to watch all three extended movies an entire day. I'm like, I don't think I can want to sit still that long. Because the extended yeah. is three and a half, three and a half, and then four hours. So, I mean, they're re- there's like a whole half hour more uh, content. That's why they call the extended stuff. version. Yeah, but it's, it adds a lot more of the book and some fun little scenes and even some stuff that's really funny that we quote that's not in the movie. Like, uh, what do they eat when they can't get Hobbit? So extended is a funny little bit, but yeah, without watching it, you don't get the yeah, joke. Yeah, I liked I all the spoil. characters. I liked the height differences with all yeah. of them. It was really interesting. Camera tricks. Right. Lots of camera tricks. Because I remember... Like seeing the hobbits in front of like just the regular, you know, people or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, why are they so tiny? They're Horse about the size of my sister. <laughs> my sister could be friends with them, and then they had was he a dwarf? A dwarf, right? Yep, Gimli's a dwarf. I so love he's just him. a little taller than they are. I love him. He's yeah. so funny. He was making me laugh the whole time. <laughs> him and Legolas. They were bickering a lot, and it was like, I think it was, yeah, it was those two. They kept bickering, because I guess elves and dwarves don't like each other. Mm-hmm. That's like a whole thing. Yeah. So I remember laughing a lot, because um, they were always bickering, and then got, like, everyone else doing their own thing, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, and that actually goes back into some more of the lore and history. See, this is what's fun about this. Um, so Iluvatar first was making, he was going to make the elves. Mm-hmm. And I forgot the name of which angels, but this is also where you get the uh, the Durin, uh, who was like the, the head of like the dwarves. And I think Durin was the prim- primary one. And you'll, I think there might be mention in there of Durin's Day. And in The Hobbit, you'll get mention of Durin's Day. But uh, I don't think maybe it was Durin was the one that he got excited and he wanted to make some people, too. And so he made people, but he hid them underground. And that was the dwarves. But Iluvatar mm-hmm. says, you you've disobeyed me. The elves were supposed to be first on the land. So he made he made the, the dwarves stay underground until the elves were established. Then he let them come up. But that always put enmity between them. Uh, and there's even uh, a little bit of extra stuff. I don't know that how much is actually in the uh, the Hobbit books, but definitely in the movie, they made a little bit more enmity with the uh, the elves and Thor and Oakenshield, who's like one of the main dwarves of the Hobbit. So, yeah, there's always this enmity, but it's kind of nice. It's even in the books and in the movies. Showing how they kind of get past their difference. And it's a lot funnier, though, in the films. Mm-hmm. Uh, with how it's... So, yes, you have that relationship there. So, of course, that was fun. Yes. Now, um, 
As far as getting up to where you were, who do you think the real hero of the story really is? But you haven't seen them all return the king, so you might not give the same answer that most people do. So I'm curious. Mm, the real hero. Yes. I could do, do an easy answer and say Frodo because he's the main character. Mm-hmm. Or I could be biased because I like Legolas. <laughs> so really depends on what mood uh, yeah. I'm in. Okay, because and I don't want to spoil like the ending, but a lot of people will tell you Sam was the real hero. Oh, but right. You haven't yes. gotten to see that was so cute. Honestly, where um, Frodo and him were talking, and they were talking about like how in the future what they were gonna yeah. tell people tell the stories. Their stories. And Frodo called him Sam the Hero or whatever. And I was like, oh, Sam the Brave. So I want to hear more about him. That honestly, again, might be a biased thing because I love Sean so much. Yes. I love him as an actor. He's a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. And he honestly just seems like such a sweet person. I would love to give him a hug. <laughs> well, I didn't get to hug him. I don't think I got to talk to him directly, but I did get to see him at Planet Comic Con one year. Uh, somewhere I got the audio of that still. I recorded it. It was part of the podcast. I you shared it. Might have to take me. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. I still love him. I think he did really good in Mortal. He Games. did, and uh, you know, him being able to carry that. Uh, now, the funny thing is, he actually got hurt really bad when he was going out into the water and that filming that scene because mm-hmm. all, of course, the hobbits had like these fake feet they were wearing that were actually you know almost like shoes because you know they were supposed to look barefoot. Because uh, Hobbit feet are supposed to be really tough, so they never wear shoes or really leathery. But he stepped on something out in the water and sliced his foot open really badly, and had to be whisked away for emergency treatment. <laughs> and the thing is, they had to they were having, trying to take this makeup fake foot off so they could get to his foot to stitch him up. But he actually going through that was actually in a lot of pain uh, at one point. And that they, I guess they got to take where he didn't slice his foot open for him to actually go out into the water. But yeah, that was kind of really difficult to see uh, to That's film. Interesting. The other interesting thing uh, for Fellowship uh, that uh, uh, Sean Bean, of course, played Boromir, scared of heights, does not like flying. When they were going up to the mountains that they were going to film the Misty Mountain scenes in the snow, he did not want to get on that helicopter. He'd get in the makeup, his full gear, and he climbed the mountain and to get there on to set on time. Wow. Yeah. Taken... Fear of heights to the next level. Yeah. So afraid to get in the helicopter, but doesn't mind climbing the mountain. That's what always weird to me. But I guess maybe that maybe the mountain climb was a little easier because, you know, I don't like heights either. But, you know, a walk and a trail up a mountain, I can do. But I guess that was easier than going up in the helicopter with everybody else to where they were going to film. So he had to start out really early so he'd be up there on time. But, of course, then he's got to climb down at the end of the shoot. That guy's tough. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I would have just gotten on the... The helicopter yeah. closed my eyes and not even yeah. to think about it. I would have been like a Mr. T uh, in uh, as a B.A. Brockus in the A-Team. He was supposed to be afraid of heights, so they would always drug him whenever they had to fly. Right. Just <laughs> don't even know that you're up there. You're fine. Get an anesthesiologist, knock him out. When they get up there, we'll revive him. Hey, are you ready? Let's go. Come on. We need more here. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, all those things on the mountain, he had to climb up there. That's interesting. So, yeah, I think that's all the things I really have to add to Fellowship. Now, of course, getting into Two Towers now. Yeah, I didn't take a lot of notes on it, so I'm going to try and remember the best I can. Now, one thing, of course, from the beginning of Two Towers, and last time I was watching this, the first time I noticed this, when Gandalf is hanging off the edge of the bridge of Khazad-dûm, and it says, fly, you fools! He doesn't 
whoops, slip off. He releases himself. Because another thing you will catch in the Fellowship of the Ring, this foe is beyond any of you. He didn't say it was beyond him. He let go on purpose to go and face that Balrog. And he did. And he did. And it's epic when you finally get to see the whole fight. Yes, because I, after he slips off, it kind of just goes into what yeah. everyone else is doing. After, yeah. you know, Frodo has his little meltdown. Um, yeah. And well, of course he would because he's yeah. a mentor. Yeah. I remember watching that. I was like, man, that's so sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we didn't know Gandalf was coming back and we were familiar with him from The Hobbit. I had a feeling. Yeah. I was, like, like, I was like, the way he <laughs> went about it, there's no way he's dead. He's also Gandalf. It's also the second movie. There's no way. Yeah. He's back. So, and it yeah. is a really good return and everything where they even have Christopher Lee voice in there and blend the voices together so you don't really hear Gandalf's voice. You hear Saruman's voice. And then he's, you know, the light dims just enough to where he steps out. And you're like, oh, I'm getting off the white. And it's very interesting the way he describes how, you know, the centuries in there to where he kind of forgot his name a little bit and who he was. Because he kind of, it's almost like he might have had to pass back to Iluvatar, send him back. So, no, your job's not done. I put you on Middle Earth for a reason. So, there's mm -hmm. who knows what all happened on there. But yeah, I love the opening of that, of getting to have the, the mountains, going through the mountains and hearing the sounds of the scene and then picking up right there. Yes, it was it was definitely really good. I liked that part. Um, that's the only part I remember, though. <laughs> that's the only part that I remember from that. Because, yeah. yeah, from there we pick up... Uh, now, the, the interesting thing is uh, the books are each book. And originally, Tolkien gave them the entire Lord of the Rings as one book. And the publisher mm -hmm. says, we need to break this down. And it could have potentially been broken into six books. Because the the first book, Fellowship, is everything up to Rivendell and then everything after Rivendell. And it's called book one. And then let's see book two. Of course, Two Towers ends book three and book four. And the first part of the Two Towers is strictly sticking around with what remains of the Fellowship and going uh, to find, try to get Merry and Pippin back and then going to uh, Helm's Deep and all that. It's the first half of the book. Second half, finally, we jump back to whatever Frodo and Sam are doing. So it is kind of nice. The movie decided, let's just try to put that in chronological order for you. Yeah. Because it is, you know, I, the first time reading it, I was like, well, what are Frodo and Sam doing? Did we ever come back over? And then I realized, you know, I had to look ahead. Like, oh, OK. So we won't pick up with them until the second half of this thing. Yeah, uh, their friendship is so cute. Just yeah. throughout the whole thing that it just kind of continued and they still like had their little fights and whatever. So. Yeah. Interesting. And especially like them having that conflict because Golem joined them. Yeah. And Frodo was like, well, maybe we should trust him. And then they did. And he went and has the with Golem trying to go back and forth between being good and evil mm -hmm. because he liked Frodo. Yeah. So Golem's a very interesting character. Um, yeah. I wouldn't consider him evil. I mean, I'm sure there. I'm sure he has his moment in the last movie. It's leading up to it. The Gollum so. is a, a a story of the corruption of evil and the ability for redemption. Mm. Now the thing is, I, I won't tell you if Gollum actually hits his redemption because you have a redemption in Boromir. Gollum is a different story, and uh, you kind of get a little bit at the beginning of Return of the King of the years he spent living below the Misty Mountains. The only mm -hmm. person to talk to was himself, which is where he started getting that split over that Smeagol half of his brain. the beginning of the, the last one, though. Yeah, well, she's seen the beginning of the last oh, one, okay. so she's seen how Smeagol became corrupted by the ring. Yeah. Uh, and and the, Gollum, the Gollum personality, which is basically the, the will of the ring, that Sauron part. His brother. Was, yeah, it, actually, they're supposed to be like cousins. 
I thought so, it was his brother. But it, it was really... like his best friend cousin and everything. It's, because they're they're a type of a hobbit. They're halflings themselves. And they're the you you're oh because they keep so much of themselves, there's a little bit of interbreeding, which is why it's kind of funny you have the little things when uh Pippin is talking to the people at the bar and really saying too much, oh yes, I'm ready to him on his he's half too on his mother's side and all this stuff and you know, all this stuff because they're all yeah. interrelated. Because they, they, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. But yeah, most of the Hobbits are related. So yeah, so his best friend it is, is a actually fantasy Stephen's movie, cousin. So. Yeah, it's, it's fantasy, but yet it's also supposed to be a mythology of our own world yeah. from what Tolkien was doing. But yeah, it's basically pure, you know, sword and sorcery fantasy. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of depth really to Gollum. And uh, did you really kind of listen to that song at the end of the Two Towers? Can't it's, it's remember called the Gollum song. song. Uh, the lyrics... They're sad, but they're scary. Because it's talking about, well, no one was ever there for me like your friend is. Like, you know, I've never had any friends. I don't remember having any friends. Because it's like, I, it's, it's this sad, sad life that he that he remembers that he had because of the corruption of the ring. And then like, oh, well, I thought you were my friend, but you're a liar. The thieves, the thieves, you know. Yeah. And at that turn, it's like, you know, but it's the end. You'll face your end alone. It's very scary and it's very telling of what's about to happen. Yeah, I don't remember the song. Ooh, the song. I like it because it's it's so it's so sad and so scary at the same time because you get. But it gives that full perspective. Like the Gollum's probably got the most depth of any character in there because he's got such a backstory. And I don't want to tell you what all happens with Gollum at the end. But I really hope he gets his redemption. I do like him as a character, but well. Hold on to that hope. Hold on to that hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because no. I know the end of the Twin Tower. Twin Tower? The Two Towers. The twi yeah. Twin Tower is a completely different thing. Different thing. Also before uh, you were born. <laughs> the two yeah. It was a couple oh, of years. Old, the yeah. Two Towers. Um, at the end of that movie, it was showing like him going towards plotting. the evil. Yeah. yeah, him plotting to kill them mm -hmm. and take the ring back again. But because he's so in like, he's such in like a mind fight yeah basically is what it With is himself. yeah trying to figure out if he wants to be good or not and it's like it's so sad to watch it because i'm like be good please be yeah. good and that Frodo will help you half is definitely a dominant personality compared oh, to the yeah. Smeagol brain yeah Smeagol's Smeagol's the good one so i just had a thought on here did i hit okay yeah all right I saw my buttons and I was afraid to hit the wrong buttons. Okay, I'll look at times so I remember to edit that out. 42. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so Gollum's definitely a more dominant personality because Smeagol is, you know, he's just a nice little hobbit and he's got basically yeah. the Sauron level evil in his in his head that's just kind of dominates him. So it's, I love the scene and it's really, I think Peter Jackson illustrated it very well where you have Smeagol finally leave now and never come back. And he finally seems like he gets control of himself and it's such a great thing. And you, you kind of see this conflicted yeah. thing going on in the books, but Peter Jackson really showed it to us, even using like the different camera angles to get us seeing the talk to himself. I really love the way they presented that. And Andy Serkis, phenomenal actor, who pulled that all off, you know, with voice. Of course, they did mirror a lot of what his face. If you watch some of the behind the scenes, they had him in like this bodysuit where he'd go and he'd do the scenes with them, and then they'd have to redo the scene without him, and he would just be talking off camera. Yeah, I was wondering how they filmed that, because I know like, now we have like technology mm -hmm. for that, so you don't have to get in a suit or whatever. Uh, is it but CGI? But they still do, like in video games, they they can do some 
Yeah, uh, they, so I was, games, I was, they'll do animation. They'll, they'll put people and get motion capture. Yeah, I was um, a little curious. I was like, I wonder if they actually filmed this or if they did yeah. like an editing thing with it. Yeah, they, we didn't they have, it I don't twice. think we had CGI by then. Yeah, there, there was still, I um, mean, we had CGI graphics since the 80s, but it was yeah. sparely, sparsely, I guess would be the word, used because yeah. it wouldn't look as good and wouldn't look real. Uh, for example, if you ever see an old movie called The Last Starfighter, it's all the space stuff is done in computer and it looks so unreal that it's at the time it was pretty impressive. Yeah. But compared to what we can do now and other than Jar Jar Binks, this is like the I think, well, I guess we'll call it the second time we've had this much of an actual character completely done CG. But of course, you know, they use reference for what Andy Serkis was doing while he was you know, doing one scene with them. Yeah. They would use that as reference, his facial expressions and all the different stuff. Plus, he gave him a lot with voice. <laughs> yes. Uh, he I, did, did, I think wow. he did a great job on the voice. Yes. Like this, because it does switch a little bit between the two. Yeah. yeah. Well, because Gollum, his, he got the name Gollum because you, you know, he would cough. Like, he would do all the time. That's how he got known, became known as Gollum. Yeah. Because he didn't know what his own name was, but he kept coughing stuff. So you have the Elohim thing that's got this raspy, coughing voice. And then Smeagol, who's more sweet and hey, you know, whatever. Yeah, so, so I yeah. think he definitely did a really good job on that, honestly, mm-hmm. because the switch. I, It's hard to even switch my voice when I want to do it. So <laughs> yeah. switching it's between challenged. two different voices is definitely like, definitely has a toll on your yeah. vocal box. Yeah, and he's he's done a lot of audiobooks. I've actually got Andy Serkis doing uh, another C.S. Lewis book, The Screwtape Letters. I've got uh, him reading that. I think it's, I want to be fully dramatized. And also, I think it's reading as screw tape, but I think it's mainly as letters. I need to go re-listen. I don't think I finished him, but he is a really, really talented performer. Mm-hmm. So he was perfectly cast. Of course, we didn't know who Andy Circus was. And uh, I think even uh, after Two Towers, one of the award shows did a thing where they had Gollum come up on stage because they wanted to give Gollum the award. I think it was MTV when did it. Because, like, this is an amazing. It's like... It's almost like we don't want to show you Andy Serkis because he made the character so real to us that they want to give Gollum an award because uh, he was he was that amazing. Although now um, Ian McKellen did get a, a Best Supporting Actor uh, for Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, and I remember in the Oscars, they showed the clip of uh, and it was really it was him, his acting mixed with a little bit of effect. Of course, he had to act to nobody there because he had they had two different versions of Bilbo's home. One that would make Bilbo look normal size, and one that would let make Gandalf look like he was too big for it. So he, of course, he's a smaller. Yeah, that so, every time he'd go in the house, I was I started giggling because yeah. like, he's so tall. And, but it, it's all really forced perspective makes you believe it. But uh, his scene there where he's like, when he gets Bilbo Baggins, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to they they change and his voice and tone. I'm trying to help you, but they use that clip as like. This is how good he was. He's best supporting actor. Yeah, I thought that clip was really interesting. Kind of mm. reminded me of like, you know, when your parent yells at you yeah. or something. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. Do not okay. take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. Yes, I loved that scene. Mm-hmm. I think it was really good. It was really interesting. The voice change again. I've yes. always thought that like that's interesting. And then their camera angle stuff that you just mentioned. Yeah. I honestly, that is the first time I think I've ever seen like camera work like that. Yeah, and it's falling out of practice a lot of times, doing, you know, trying to make things seem that much of a size difference. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times you don't notice, but, you know, at this point, you know, they even show, like, the trick, like, when they wanted to sit next to each other in the carriage, Elijah Wood is actually sitting back here, but they had the camera set just away and had it built where it looked like they were sitting on the same bench. Uh, it's, it's a lot of just clever tricks. The same tricks they actually use, like, in Walt Disney World to make some of the buildings seem taller than they are on Main Street. 
Uh, if you just, you know, if you go just a little smaller than, than scale as you go up, it will seem like it's further away. You know, just a lot of neat yeah. tricks. And then, of course, when you see someone's back, it's the same thing they did with Hagrid. From the back, you can swap out somebody else to be a double who actually is the size you want. So whenever you saw the hobbits from the back running with other people, they were actual little people. So like Hagrid actually did have a double who was about an eight footer. So huh. a, lot of, a lot of good tricks is, you know, from the back, you don't have to see the actor's face. But when you are going to see the actors, it's sometimes the angle of the cameras, position of where you put people at, because, you know, we're, we're not seeing things in real 3D on a flat yeah, screen. It so definitely you makes you realize that filming, filmmaking and all that is a lot more work than you think it is. Yes, it is. So I can vouch for that, you know, working in because like you get to watch the finished product, so you don't actually get to see all the hard work that goes into yeah. it. That's why I love watching behind the scenes stuff to see all the. Fun yeah, stuff. it's really interesting to watch behind mm -hmm. the scenes stuff. So the extended cuts got a really good, like long hours long documentaries of behind the scenes, even showing like the Balrog, how they made these sounds for the Balrog's roar it was actually a concrete block. They went into a big stairwell with concrete on it and they drug it. So they would get that echoey, deep sound from a cement block dragging across, mix it with a little bit of animal sound, and that was Did the Did they, like, the tie a string to it and drag no, it? No, they would just, they just push. Oh. I mean, it's a cement block. You can't tie oh, a string. Oh, a big one. I yeah, you, like you know, like, big cement one. So it's, like, this big, deep thing. But being in this big, tall stairwell with, you know, with concrete to drag across, the sound would echo in there when they record it. So, That's but now when you, next time you watch Fellowship of the Ring, listen to that ball roll, you can hear kind of hear that <laughs> underneath it. It's, a, it's impressive, the things they do. But now, mm -hmm. the funny part of the Two Towers is the memes that got created. Yeah. Uh, from uh, Well, other than, of course, you've probably seen, like, one does not simply walk into Mordor. Of course, it's used everywhere. But uh, some creative sound editors, musicians, got around and made a couple of songs. And I, I feel like I should show you this. Uh, if you go and you look, even uh, on YouTube, and look for it, they're taking the Hobbits to Isengard. Someone made a song out of that. Found out that there was seemed to be a bit of a rhythm, and and you know so basically now it's like they're taking the Hobbit to Isengard, guard, 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 guard. You know they do stuff like that, and it became this viral sensation of yeah. watching that. That and this other person took the line where Sam is telling Gollum potatoes, potatoes, and figured oh there's a rhythm there, and put everything to do, 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 do. It's and, so funny. Oh my gosh! And so those became like huge deals. Yeah, and then I, the one I see all the time that's extremely popular because it's a it's a Gandalf line, his most famous line, which is the "You shall not pass." Mm -hmm. I see that everywhere. Even now, I still see it, and I'm like, huh. So yeah. I wonder how like I don't know back then they if there was like actual stuff to make meme meme stuff like we do now, you know. It's yeah. Like early, early, but it became a thing pretty quick. Yes. Yeah. So, so all of them are really funny though. So now one of the. Uh, as far as like sound design, uh, first let's just ask you: Is there some any any particular scene? And it depends upon, I guess, the quality of sound system maybe you're working with. Is there anything that on the sound that really jumped out at you in a particular time? Um, not really. No. Okay, that's the the benefit of seeing it in the theater because that's where we mainly notice. But you're, when they're outside Helm's Deep, and nothing started happening, and that rain starts to fall. And everybody kind of noticed the rain on the helmets of the orcs, the way it would just the subtle sound that would fill the theater. And it's I can't quite recreate it. My back speakers over there don't work so well. But every time we watch that, we always felt like, oh, the sound of rain on orc helmets. For some reason, it's just it was kind of mind blowing, especially in the theater, because it was just all around you. But the sound design was like amazing. Yeah, just because it's just such a little thing. But it just like stood out. 
And it, it made the army of orcs feel grand because you could, it was just surrounding you with the sound of rain hitting their helmets as the cameras pans through them. You just felt like you were surrounded. It was amazing. So yeah. that's the only other major sound thing, I think, other than the stuff they come up with, the sound that certain creatures would make, uh, stuff like that. But uh, So did, how, did, how cute did you think Eowyn and Aragorn were? I literally wrote something down for it. I I said that like their type like their love the relationship is just something that you would want to have for yourself. It's so cute and so like pure. Yeah. I guess I'm so one sided. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, but there, there's a happy ending. Although to really get the happy payoff for that, you might want to have to watch the extended version yeah. of Return of the King because they cut some stuff out that's in the book. So. But, there, but it's back in the extended cut, and you kind of see it. And those of us that read the book, we're like, oh, we knew. Yeah, so, they're cute. They're yeah, cute. A1, like A1 has a payoff, but it's not Aragorn. I think I just have, like, a, a radar for it. Like, in <laughs> any movie, like, even if yeah. it's not, like, right as they see each other, like, I I just instantly know. I'm just like, these two people are definitely together. Yeah. I saw them interact with each other when she went to come get Frodo. And I was like, they got something going on. Yeah. Well, she did. He knew that she's got a thing. You can tell he's being very kind. And that the the interesting thing is they added a lot of Arwen stuff to have where they had the, the doubt of him and Arwen being able to be together so they can make it seem like something's going on or could happen. Yeah. Just to kind of give you that hope. But uh, yeah, in the books, he's there's the him and Arwen. There's no doubt. Um, but it's kind of like, I guess if you're not having read the books, it would be like a different perspective. You would know, like, oh, no, he's still... Arwen and it's never going to change. That's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Arwen's got his heart and he, he likes her as a her. friend. But yeah. He had a dream about yeah, her. Yeah, they made, they made Arwen as mystical as they could have in a lot I of ways. I loved yeah. her. I thought she was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do you know so. who her father is? No. Steven Tyler? Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Oh! Now her mother must have been gorgeous to balance him out because he's got the you know she's kind of got his lips a little bit though. I like Steven. Yeah, he's not a good-looking guy, really. So I'm thinking I want to know what her mother looked like because somebody had to balance him out. I like his music though. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't know that was her dad. Yeah. That's that's, that's his daughter. My mom might find that interesting. So, but you got you can see that. you know she's got the same blue eyes and dark hair. Kind of she's kind of got his lips a little bit when she when you, when she talks. You see it a little bit. She looks familiar when she popped up on screen, but I don't know if that was just like oh I've uh, seen she, so many female actresses. So I, I think it's been a while since I've seen her pop up in anything. She's kind of I think she's went and had a family uh, and stuff and kind of settled. It happens. So I oh I just remember I wrote I wrote that Bilbo short and it made me laugh. That goes kind of goes back to the Hobbit just being so tiny. <laughs> well, they're only supposed really to be funny. about three and a half feet tall. Dwarves range about four foot tall. They're the size of my sister. <laughs> they're my tiny. sister's a Hobbit. Yeah. For now. <laughs> Maybe she'll stay a Hobbit the rest of her life. It could be. It'd be kind of funny. So. Um, I used to be one. How much did you, uh, what did you get out or did you notice what was going on really? Um, how, how I want to get into this. <laughs> the, uh, you know, being, of course, I mean, of course, I guess this Catholic background, they're a little bit bigger into um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, they've even made a movie called it. That was the scariest movie ever, apparently. And I never watched it. Wow. Exorcisms. Yeah. The basically an exorcism that you get there. Uh, any thoughts on that scene there with uh, 
uh, not Denethor, Denethor is the steward, uh, King uh, Theoden. That whole scene there. Is that from the second movie? Yeah, we're, we're, we're in two towers at this point. Um, um, I should have gone in order with my getting thoughts. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember if I remember Oh, this well, okay. So that's a great I scene. I feel really bad because I did watch the second movie. I just didn't take notes on it that time. Like, And I love how Gandalf presents himself when they're taking their weapons away. They're going into the, the halls of Rohan. And he says, well, you wouldn't take an old man away and snap. And he's still wearing the gray cloak over, hiding how he's like, he's more powerful than he was even before. So because he was he's known throughout the world as the gray, the gray rider and all these different nicknames they have for him, yeah. uh, which you'll find in the book because he's been around since the beginning. Yeah. Um, but when he comes that. in and I love when he reveals himself and, and just almost glows and he casts Saruman out of uh, King Theoden in a very much exorcism manner. Oh, right, right. I remember the scene now a little okay. bit. So there's no, no big impact on that whole thing. It's a great scene. The whole thing, especially with all yeah, his guys coming in and Aragorn and Gimli. I would have like, taken notes. I would have probably had oh. something to say. But I, remembering the scene as best as I could, I definitely didn't. I, I think it, again, why, just because I'm 17, I really don't get references sometimes. <laughs> um, but I didn't really see the Conjuring conjuring reference wow conjuring. i do like those movies the exorcist reference yeah. in it well not so much a reference to the exorcist uh, the, the movie itself i was looking for the word for an exorcism because that's pretty much reference. what he's doing yes uh can, when you consider the, the i mean level it reminded of what, me of an exorcism I yeah because like, huh. when, when you consider the level of what gandalf and Saruman, that they're kind of like angels in human bodies yeah and when one of them goes evil that would be a demon yes so really Saruman kind of possessing Theoden, it's, it is really, it's an exorcism. Yeah, I guess that, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, the whole sto story about, I think it's Lucifer, mm -hmm. the fallen angel, yes. Lucifer, that he used to be an angel or whatever. Yeah. It reminded me of that story a little bit. And then I don't know in that moment what I thought of Gandalf, but I know that the moment that that scene happened, I was like, that reminds me of the story of Lucifer a little bit. <laughs> Which Lucifer would be more Morgoth, which you hear him mentioned, but you won't see him. Yeah. 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 Uh, there, there is another fun bit that was uh, Wormtongue, which I forgot to, like, Grima, what his actual last name, and he became known as Wormtongue because his words are, he's 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 almost got Saruman's power in him to be able to kind of spell cast, and he's the one who kind of been putting all the lies in Theoden's head and keeping him under Saruman's spell. All right, him. That actor there. Of course, now the first thing, he, the first movie he did was a movie called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson. And he's, he's got this bad stuttering problem the entire time. They're all in an asylum. It's an old movie. It's even older than me. So <laughs> you probably haven't seen it. Yeah. But where you would also might know him from is the voice of Chucky. Really? Yes, that I is Chucky. That sounded familiar. <laughs> he always plays villains, except for when he was a bit, bit Billy Babbitt. Yeah, I did some uh, research so, on him because he looked like another actor that I really like. I don't know if you've ever watched The Dirt, but it's like it's about Motley Crue or whatever. Oh, Love that I movie. Heard of it. Um, there are some sexual themes in it, but it's a great movie and it's about Motley Crue. So honestly, oh. not surprising. Well, I, I had enough watching my, uh, Metallica's documentary on themselves. All right. And that was, I, oh, like, I can't see this. Uh, yeah, but okay. I did research on the actor Wormtongue or whatever because he looked like the guy who played Mick but then I found out that the guy who plays Mick is in uh, not Lord of the Rings but he's in um, 
something that's not similar to it, but it's like one of those fantasy TV shows. I can't remember the name of it right okay. now. But I, they looked so similar to me, so I really thought it was him for a second. So I had to research that. That's the only reason I know who Worm Tongue is. Ah, okay. Or whatever. So I didn't yeah. really, he didn't give me an impact either. Other than I did notice like the, the stuttering and the yeah. stuff like that. Well, the that. stutter, like, he doesn't have so much as Worm Tongue. It's a, it's a character he played in, uh, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He's got, he's got this, it's because it takes place in an asylum and yeah. he's in there as a stuttering guy and he uh, gains his manhood at one point, we'll, we'll call it, and suddenly the stutter is gone and then oh, the Lord. evil nurse ratchet shows up and the stutter's right back. So he's in, got an interesting character arc back on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which I think is also was a stage play and they made a movie out of it and yeah, whole other ball of wax, much yeah. more serious type movie than, than Lord of the Rings. But, but he does a really good job in this and I even appreciate kind of this extra detail they show when they're looking about the the uruk army that Saruman has created that he's sending to go and wipe out all of Rohan, mm-hmm. the little tear in Wormtongue's eye. Like that, there's that little part of him that, because he, he does have a thing for Eowyn, clearly, although he's very creepy about it. Yeah. But that is, it's like that little bit of regret that he knows she's going to die is pretty much what he's thinking. She's going to die and everybody else Everybody, everybody that he's been around with, they're all going to die. He's betrayed everybody in Rohan. So I like that little bit of tear that shows that he's that little bit of humanity that he might still have. Yeah. So I was I a little, that. when he popped up, I was, at first I was like, does he work with Saruman or yeah. something? And then when he went back to him, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. And you'll get to see how that resolves. Well, no, not really. Not in the, not in the regular version. The extended cut of Return of the King shows what actually finally becomes a Saruman. The, the weird thing is the Two Towers book actually goes past Helm's Deep and a little bit further. Uh, but the, the Return of the King book, the the book five, basically, as it's divided, is the, the, the finish of the story. And then the second part of it is a lot of appendices and stuff. Uh, and it gives a lot of the history because Tolkien kind of wanted to share all these different things that he referenced in Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, no, I've got a written history that I've written down. And he wanted to reference and tell everybody about well, when they say Dunedain, this is what they're talking about. So, like, the second half of the Return of the King book is all this history. And then eventually, after he had passed away, his son's like, well, okay, everybody's clamoring for all this stuff. And Dad wrote down all this, so he just had to fill in a few gaps to, to put together from Tolkien's notes, and which is why yeah. we have the Cimmerillion. And I've got I got a library of stuff upstairs, my goodness. <laughs> so, so, all this extra stuff. So, really, the Return of the King book, the story is, is a lot shorter so the, in order to kind of make the movies about the same length, they went ahead and took some of the two tower books and moved it over to Return of the King. Because um, you actually get to see what Gollum's plan is by the end of the two towers books. And then he but he does have a very important role that's very, very nice there in the Fellowship of the Ring, where Gondol, Gandalf does tell Frodo this. Well, it was pity that stayed for that stopped Bilbo from killing him. I'm trying to almost quote it, but I'm getting it wrong and can't pronounce. So, but yeah, so there, you know, there was pity that Bilbo didn't, you know, Frodo says, well, it's a pity Bilbo doesn't kill him. And Gandalf says, no, it's pity is what stopped Bilbo from killing him. But he's, but he tells him Gollum may have some role to play in this that I can't see yet, but there still seems to be some role for him. And there is a very important role for Gollum, which you haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. He's got something very important to do. I'll have to finish that last Yes, time. you definitely want to finish. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think of any like major final thoughts, like on the two towers, to uh, to bring about. Although they do, it's, you get a very different version of Theoden even after he's been brought into himself. In the book, he's a bit more gung ho about you know because he's mad because he's been under he's been you know cursing not himself, 
and his people have been attacked and everything. He's mad. He's ready to go to war. And his idea of going to Helm's Deep is like, we'll beat them from Helm's Deep. When the movie presented it as like, well, this is a good defense spot. And they have him a bit more reluctant. And it, it makes him interesting because he's trying to think of how can he protect his people? And it also makes Helm Deep, Helm's Deep more stressful because in the movie, you're more worried about he's got his entire kingdom hiding in there. And if they fail, they're all gone. So it, it builds that tension. But like in the book, it's more of like, we're lure them over here. They'll come to get us over here and we, we can meet them over there. So Theoden in the book is very different. He's more gung-ho and a warrior. But I do like the way pre they, they presented him in the movie with a little bit more that he, he's more thoughtful and, yeah. and, and concerned about his people. And But when it's time to ride and to fight, he's ready to go, you know. You know, now for now for ruin and the whatever morning something. Yeah, there's a lot of just great dialogue in those. Yeah, and Ugh. his his daughter, um, uh, Eowyn's actually his niece. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Her, yeah, her. She, um, at first, whenever she was like kind of talking with um, Strider, as we call him, oh, Aragorn, as he known Aragorn, by this point. Yes, whatever. Now we know he is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, yes. heir to the throne of Gondor. Yeah. Oh. So many words. <laughs> anyway, but uh, at first when I saw that she like kind of started to not like him, but like kind of I started to see it as, oh, maybe she just looks up at him, like looks up to him. Maybe I'm still not sure. But I honestly, when she found out that he could be dead and she was really upset, I was upset. So I was yeah. like, not my bae. <laughs> he does nothing but good. Yeah. He saved Frodo. Yeah. So I, I it's been a while since I've gone through the books. And I've actually tried. I, I kind of gave up in the attempt. I was trying to read the books and going through and try to keep everything in order. So I, was, I would I would go and read up to It's like, okay, a new day started. All right, let me go back over to Sam and Frodo. So I was trying to figure out at what point things were lining up. Uh, but I, that's last time I was trying to read through Two Towers. But I don't think him nearly dying actually happens in the book. But it adds a lot more stuff. And it gives an opportunity to keep Arwen's story going. Which is a lot of invention of the uh, the screenwriters trying to yeah. trying to keep Arwen as a character and keep her in your mind because, like I said, she doesn't really act in the book. Show up until the end. We know she exists, but that's about it. So it's nice to get that little scene and then have yeah. like Arwen is like, "Oh no, you're not dead yet. You're not beaten. <laughs> Come on." Yeah, um, I would totally read the books, but I have to be in the mood to read. And if they're humongous books, it takes me longer. There, it's 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 not light reading. No. It's not right, but it's oh, it's so good though. That reminded me of the scene of in Harry Potter where she says it's a little bit of light reading. Like, this is <laughs> this light. Is light reading. <laughs> this is light. Yes, that's so funny. And anyway, look, she shoots him. Oh yes. Yeah, and then I guess I wrote a little note about um, the first time Frodo almost died. There was like I, there was a couple of times where you yeah. like get psyched out. And I was like, they keep doing that, and they just they get me every time. <laughs> you so, think he's done for? This yeah, is done for. I wrote that like. They definitely got me at first. Like, I really did think he was, like, dead. But I was like, wait a minute. You really have to think about the fact that he's the main character. Yeah. This is Lord of the Rings. There's no way he can die in the first movie. <laughs> There's two other movies. Yeah. I remember talking to myself. and I was like, There's two other movies. There's no way he's dead. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unlike J.K. Rowling, who was. Well, of course, J.K. Rowling waits till the last book, then starts killing off all the people he didn't think were going to die. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. so mad about that. I was like, what, for what reason? Yeah. Lord of the Rings, though, there's I, there's really no one who dies that you would have thought would die. The only people who die are people that you would kind of expect it to. I didn't really have an opinion about Boromir. Well, yeah, so. old Bor yeah Boromir, I, well, but Boromir is, 
He is, um, he's not the primary antagonist, but he's sort of the antagonist in the group because you see the ring having that effect on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he, you, you get more of understanding, once again, the extended cuts on Two Towers, you get a lot of extra scenes. You get a little bit more from, of Faramir, uh, which the Two Towers did change Faramir quite a bit. In the books, Faramir is just not even tempted by that ring. And it's it's an in, it's an out. We get introduced That's to Faramir's brother. Brother, right? yeah, yes, his brother Faramir. It's and and he's such a lovable guy. I mean, Faramir is an awesome character, mm-hmm. and he might be a better man than his brother, even though their father Denethor doesn't see it. But I guess you haven't really got to see much with. <laughs> oh Denethor my god, I yet. forgot I wrote that. That was when he died. I said, "No, Boromir." Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he he goes out big though. But yeah, Faramir is a is a really great character. You're gonna enjoy Faramir, <laughs> and unless you watch the extended, you won't go to see one. <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but you know, you watch the extended cut. You did, like I said, there's a payoff for certain people, mm. and I don't want to, I don't want to spoil. But the the right the regular cut of Return of the King, you get to see them standing together, but that's it. Yeah. You get to see them at the end, but the extended cut, you get to have a lot more because there's an entire chapter called the Houses of Healing in the in the book where uh, you know one character's supposed to be dying and somebody else is there because she got hurt when mm-hmm. she oh I'm, I'm saying too much yes, but they, they they meet each other there and it's <laughs> it's very sweet uh-huh. and the movie really didn't do it justice oh. but it's a big payoff for something it's a, you I'm know. like now looking at some of these notes and I'm like wow this is kind of funny so the second time when he gets stabbed or whatever oh back to Frodo yeah I said stabbed again and then I, <laughs> there's an arrow that says protection Yes. And then Mystery the part where Sam was trying to leave, and I said, "No, Sam, stay." I don't even remember taking these notes, but they were taken. <laughs> you were writing down that. Yeah. Well, that oh, that is such a great, great scene though. At the end of, of Fellowship of the Ring, when they come out there, so I made a promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee, and I don't mean to. It's <sighs> yes. That See, that's, that's, that's so everybody cute. needs a friend like Sam. I wish I had a friend. Yes. Like Sam. Oh my oh, gosh. I guess I kind of do. Yeah. In a way, I kind of do. We all need a Sam. Hopefully most of us have a friend who would stick up and would not leave our side at, for anything and would stick by you. I would and, like to be confident and say that my best friend is my Sam. So. And the, the best thing is try to be the Sam. And if you're both a Sam... I am the Sam. <laughs> be the Sam. Well, we'll stick in there and uh, especially... No matter, no matter how much it hurts in the end, always be the Sam. Be the Sam. Stick with your friends. And yeah. Especially when you get Return of the King, Sam's got some other great epic moments where he is the Sam, which is I why we can him. say that he is the he is the true hero. Because Frodo would not succeed. As Frodo says in the end two towers, Frodo not would not have made it very far without Sam. I don't I don't know how much I can stress how much I loved Sam. <laughs> yes. I loved him so much. He was my favorite character. Yep. Every time he came on screen, I was like, Sam. Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's got some good stuff coming up ahead. Yeah, so I'm gonna yeah. keep saying it's because I'm biased. It's because yeah. it's Sean, but yeah, well, of course. And I think we were kind of that way too. We were just like Sean Aston, yay! So. Also, because I had already watched Stranger Things, so I've yeah. already seen what happened to his character, and so seeing yeah. him in this movie, I was that's like, that's the first movie I think I've ever seen him die in. Or well, it's not a movie, but a TV, TV show. That's ever, you know, he did. This was a really good scene, and they definitely, definitely had pulled on my heartstrings a little bit because he started to like like him, and then he dies. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah. And it's one of those like dumb scenes where it's like they look like they're going to get out safe and then they and die. Then, 
Yeah, that's why Heather has not watched Beyond that because she was so upset when they that did that. That broke me. That was the end. Of yes. It. Even though it's been a great series since then. If there was um, any other character, I'd have, I would have been okay. Yeah. Well, any other final thoughts you want to throw in before I, I've got uh, something else that you're going to have to watch now? Um, well, I did. I wrote notes about the music. Yes. I said that sure. all of like the background music and all of that was beautiful. Yes. I remember listening to all of it. Like I, there was like parts where I, I wasn't even listening to what was going on. I was just listening to the music. I was like, huh. It's that good. Very pretty. It is beautiful very good. scenery. We used it in our wedding. Oh, <laughs> great. It was beautiful scenery. I, I made a note that Rivendale, like, yes. well, I remember in my head I made a note. It's like, it's so similar to, to the word Riverdale. <laughs> it's one letter off. But that's way more than more one better. letter, actually. I would yeah. rather live in Rivendale. Yeah, but because okay. it's actually Rivendale, D E L L yeah. at the end. But it's it's a beautiful place. I remember Riverdale is supposed to have been a happy place, but somebody decided to turn it all adult and scary. It's like this is Archie and Jughead. Yeah, that's why I didn't watch that show. I was like, yeah. what is this? I got some opinions on that one. Yeah. I didn't watch that show because I was anyway. like, no, it's what I found. I was like, this is that Archie and Jughead. This is yeah. supposed to be fun and comedy. And yeah, 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 no, but I did think I thought Rivendale, Rivendale was very pretty. Rivendale um, is. A, oh, yeah. I also great. made yeah. a note of like, I think I made it in caps that said I wanted to learn Elvish now. Yeah, and you probably could. I, I've actually heard some universities were actually trying to do classes to teach people like Elvish. This was the part I didn't write down, but I remember thinking when I heard that it was called Elvish, I was like, like Elvis, Elvis Presley. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. It's so similar. There, there were some little joke cartoons. I saw that was Elvis yes. Presley that they do Elvis for Elvish. 20 years. Yes. So. But if you really love Sean Astin, have you seen the Goonies? I've, I might've when I was little, it's probably one of those shows that were on when I was little that I don't remember. Well, I'll have gladly have watch it. it. Cause that was Sean Astin's first movie. He's a little kid. I'll gladly one. do a review of it. Oh yeah. You, I love him. Although with coming up with Christmas, I want to challenge you to try to watch Gremlins, though, because you probably have fun. <laughs> it is a little scary, yes, at first, but you're going to laugh. It's going to get funny. Plus, and it starts out super cute. Mm-hmm. You've seen Gizmo, right? No. All right, I got to show you a picture of Gizmo. Because it starts out the super, and this is what fooled uh, my mom and my brother and I, because we you know that we'd been seeing ads for Gremlins. And it was a Spielberg, but they were really mysterious about what was going on. And then Hardy's started posting up little pictures of Gizmo. And we're like, oh, this looks like a cute movie. We want to go. We had no idea that it was going to turn scary for a little bit. Let's see if I can get a good picture of Gizmo. Gizmo. That's such a cute little name. Gizmo. Next time I get a pet. Gizmo. He's a mogwai. Oh, yes. Gizmo. I've seen pictures of him. I just never knew what his name was. Yeah. You know, that's actually something I still want for Christmas, Heather. That's an idea is that that little dancing gizmo I keep seeing in a Target. They've had them out for years. I still haven't gotten one for myself. There's yeah, an idea. I'm going to name my next pet that gizmo. Uh, gizmo. Yep. Such a cute little name. There's a lot of dogs named gizmo. Yeah. Dogs. Especially if the dogs have little pointy ears. I like so, cats. Yeah. Well, aim for, for, for gremlins next. And then definitely you're going to have to watch the Goonies because if you love Sean Astin, you'll love the Goonies because he's, he's the main kid in that one. Uh, and then there's another one I still need to watch. I haven't seen all of it, but there's a movie. Rudy is what really cemented him after the Goonies, uh, which was actually based off a true story where uh, he's uh, he's this kid at Notre Dame that it's, he's he sits the bench on the football Notre team Dame. at Notre Dame and he wants to play. And finally, My mom's been there. Finally, he got a chance to play. It's a true story of a guy, but like the end, it's like everybody cheers for him. You know, it's like the, it's a meaningless play he gets to, but he finally gets to go play in a game at Notre Dame, and everybody's just cheering for Rudy. The ending will make you cry. 
it is that good when he finally, but I, that's about, I've seen like, like the second half of Rudy, but that might be something I need to sit and watch. I think I actually own a copy mm-hmm. on digital, but that was yeah. between, I mean, Sean Astin, uh, if you, I listened to this audio book of his biography and he calls himself a journeyman actor because he's just looking for work constantly. He just, all, he just, he doesn't care. He just wants to work. So he's done a lot, a lot, a lot of different movies that no, nobody's ever heard of, but the major ones he's remembered for before Lord of the Rings was The Goonies and then Rudy. Yeah, I'll definitely, I can definitely die happy if I get to meet Sean. No, oh, yeah. Well, if he ever him. comes back to Kansas City I just want to tell him that he's just an amazing actor. Yeah. I love him. He's always, every time I see him in anything, he always pulls on my heartstrings. <laughs> every time. Tuggy, tuggy. Unintentionally. Tuggy, tuggy. Yes. Did I you see him, him, though, in an episode of Monk where he's the killer, though? No. I've seen him in Goonies, like pictures and stuff. Some pictures, yeah. And but You'll love that. Yeah. If you like Indiana Jones movies, you'll love the Goonies, too. It's a lot of fun. It's like there just one Goonies movie or is there two? Just one. Everybody's always wanted to get a second one and there's there's been talk for years and I, but I'll, I think we're getting close to something actually finally happening. Yeah. Especially now that uh, Kihai Kwan did I say his name right? Yeah. Is back. Who, you know, he was short round in Temple of Doom. He also plays this character called Data in the Goonies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've even seen where they, they, they had a little fun. His uh, character in the, the Loki season two was actually wearing a belt that's supposed to look like Data's belt. Data had the Loki. Like, in the Loki series too, Kihai Kwan, who was who, he's in the Goonies as Data, uh, he's oh. in that. He 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 really made his comeback with um, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, or something like that. Oh, I um, I need to look at that movie. I was watching the Oscars last year when they were giving those out, and I was like, obviously I hadn't watched the movie yet because it it hadn't been a long time since it came out. So I was watching the Oscars and I was like, they they won so many Oscars. Yeah. So I was like, that is like a definite that I should watch it. And yeah. I've seen trailers. I think I'm going to end up watching it eventually, but I have, it, it, it earned an R rating big time from some clips that I've seen because it's got some stuff like, whoa, that's, yeah, it's a bit much at times. So be warned. Yeah. So, but I guess I'll wrap up our discussion on Lord of the Rings. And then, yeah, so next time watch Gremlins. And then after that, you watch the Goonies and you'll love the Goonies. You'll probably, I think, I think you're going to enjoy the Gremlins too. But, there's two of them, right? Yeah, there's two Gremlins movies, but just just watch the one, the first one. The, you said it was the, the first. Yeah, the yeah, the, the first one takes place at Christmas, and Gizmo is actually a Christmas present. So oh, Christmas is what cute. launches the entire story. So that's why I call it a Christmas movie. And so I'm, you know, I gotta pull it out for Christmas too. Yeah. All right, but I'm gonna wrap that up right about there. 